בשם השם נעשה ונצליח. שיעור תורה, ברוכים הבאים. We are uh, back here, continuing our Tuesday night series of Igeret Agra, the extraordinary letter by the Gaon Mivilna, from just a couple of hundred years ago to us, and uh, trying to analyze each and every word of the Chacham in order to apply to our lives and Bezad Hashem make it better. Uh, tonight's uh, shiur will be for a refuah shlema for Rabbanit Levana, Bat Sarah, Rav Ephraim Ben Shulamit, Rabbanit Sarah Bat Anat, Orit Bat Ilana, Avi Mori David Ben Esriya, Doris Bat Jora, and also for a atzlacha raba for Amir Ben Shahin. נתנאל בן אברהם, אלחנן בן אברהם, סני בן אברהם, בתיה בת שרה, מרשה בת ג'ולי, איילה בת מרשה, סמיר בן מרשה, ספס בן מרשה, אלכסנדר בן מרשה, לואיס בן מרשה, שאול בן פרזנה, יתרו בן אברהם, אושרי בן דוריס, גבי בן דוריס, אלעד בן דוריס, דוד בן עשריה, and uh, Sara Bat uh, Sausan, Michal Bat Yael, uh, Leah Bat Yael, uh, Ariel Bat Yael, uh, and uh, also for uh, Yael, uh, Bat Sara. Uh, I don't know the mother's name, but I'm sure it's your mom is the same mom as the rest of us, Sara Imenu. הקדוש ברוך הוא יברך אותם בכל מכל כל, חיים ארוכים, שלמים, מלאים תורה, מצוות, קבילות חסדים. Thank you very much for everybody that continues to contribute to help us do all the amazing things that we're doing, ברוך השם. So it's a little bit of a brief update, a couple of things, ברוך השם. A couple of major developments are in the works. We have a couple of major films in the last stage. For the first time ever, we're going to have a movie in Hebrew and English at the same time, not with subtitles, but actually me speaking in both languages, Bezat Shem coming out very soon. So stay tuned for that. It's called World of Lies. So it'll be out very soon, Bezat Shem. Also have a couple of other major projects, Baruch Hashem. Uh, aside from that, the uh, Kiruv store that I've been telling you about is uh, in the works, just haven't gotten time to finalize it, but Bezal Hashem uh, will, uh, will come soon. Uh, also, uh, for those of you that always ask me for recommended books, uh, people always ask me for recommended books. Um, I don't know if you follow our newsletter that we have on the emails. If you don't, you should subscribe on our website, BezalTashem.org. Uh, also download the, uh, the app, Bezat Hashem app. Uh, it's the best way to watch the, uh, the lectures, both live as well as uh, the, uh, uh, the older lectures. Uh, it's without any commercials, without any distractions. Download the app. You can watch the lecture. All of the people that are on the app are watching me live as we speak. Uh, so that's, uh, Baruch Hashem, a very good thing. But... Um, for anybody that's not subscribed to the newsletter or the WhatsApp group, I uh, highly recommend you do because uh, once in a blue moon, we uh, let people know certain things that we have. We just don't do it on a regular basis. We don't want to spam people uh, with the same information. But uh, for all of you that are looking for books that are, you know, simply the best dot Torah uh, for any generation, needless to say, our generation, from one of the Gdolim 
in, uh, in, in the, uh, the Torah world, the Musar world, the Kiruv world uh, of the previous generation where really it doesn't matter whether you're Ashkenazi or you're Sfaradi, uh, it's if you have eyes and you know how to speak the language, you'll be able to uh, understand things that will uh, penetrate your heart. Uh, we have the collection of uh, Rav Nisim Yagen, Alava Shalom, his books on our website. We only sell it as a set. Uh, and it's a, Baruch uh, Hashem, his books, you know, I've been very, very famous in Hebrew for many years. And over the uh, recent years, his uh, family full of Talmidei Chachamim and uh, really uh, uh, extraordinary people actually translated some of those, uh, you know, those books to English. They translated those books to English. And uh, what they did is really they took Rav Nisim Yagen's lectures and they put them in on paper, but in a readable format. And uh, each one of the books is uh, simply better than the next. They're all very book, big books as far as the amount of information you're going to get. This is the most famous book of all. Uh, it's called Netive Or. I've quoted this book hundreds of times in my lectures. Uh, it's, I think, maybe has, I don't know, 800 pages, seven, 800 pages, something like that. It's an extraordinary book. But he also has about other subjects. So this is, Netive'or is about everything. Whether it's a, uh, about uh, Shabbat, Kiruv, uh, General Musar, Da'at Torah, Chachamim, uh, Midrashim, and so on. But then you have also specific things that they, they covered, uh, which the reason why I thought of it today, is because Hanukkah is coming up and people are always looking for something fresh uh, to say to the family, this book, as part of the collection, is about has literally some of the best stuff about Hanukkah and Purim. It's part of the collection, as you can see. I've quoted it quite a few times in in, in uh, Shiurim, Hanukkah and Purim. They're all hard copy, uh, so you have that. You also have a book that he. Uh, it's part of the set. It's about uh, Shabbat. Uh, the set that we have has a the same exact book, but a smaller version of it. Uh, like a, I guess what it's called, a pocket version of the Shabbat book. Uh, but uh, anyway, long story short, you have a uh, one option of the set is 11 books, and one of them, I think, is uh, six books, something like that. And uh, really, it's just a full collection of, uh, of books that uh, can help anybody, regardless of where you're at, whether you are uh, you know, new to the religion, you're a new Baal Tshuva, you're a new convert, you're in the process of converting, you are from from birth, uh, you're a Talmit Chacham. Uh, really, it's uh, extraordinary books. Bezat Hashem, uh, one day we'll have books like that ourselves. And uh, highly recommended. You can get it on our website, thebezathashem.org. Order yourself the set, and uh, you'll have more than enough to read pretty much about anything that you want. Is in one of those books, A Life of Torah, Shabbat, Musar, and so on and so forth. It even has... Uh, uh, the uh, two books that were written about uh, the entire Sefer uh, uh, Bereshit and also the entire Sefer Shmot. They don't have the others yet, the other uh, three books of the five books of Moses, but those two we have as part of the bigger set. Uh, anyway, uh, it's a, one of the reasons why we took this on, aside from the fact that I love uh, Rav Nisim again, I've learned an extraordinary amount from him and, uh, and, and have uh, helped quite a few people because of his Torah, Aside from that is because for whatever reason or another, they're not, these books are not sold in stores in America. I'm not really sure why. 
but uh, they're not sold in stores in America. You can't find them. You can find some of them as a digital version, but uh, generally speaking, you can't find uh, all of them. And for sure, you can't find the hard copy. Uh, so we got together with the uh, with the family, we uh, and we uh, got some books. So again, anyone that wants it can order it on our website. Uh, and please, for those of you that keep asking me if I could sell uh, each book by itself, don't. We're not a bookstore per se. We're just trying to do chesed to the nation and also chesed to the chacham and publicize this Torah. And uh, we bought them as sets, so we can't really break up the set just because you want one or two of those books. I just don't have the uh, ability or patience to do it. Uh, so uh, with that being said, let's uh, learn some Torah together, Bezal Hashem, and, and try to see uh, how uh, Rav Yagen and the rest of the Chachamim can, uh, can teach us how to uh, watch our language, watch our words, because it's very uh, uh, common for people to, uh, to I guess, um, advocate for free speech in America uh, and even in other countries, uh, to be proud of the fact that you have free speech and, uh, as, and use that as a, uh, as a defense for stupid things that you say uh, and, and that, that people say dumb things and say, oh, but I can say whatever I want. Okay, you can say whatever you want, you're right. Uh, you have the free speech, if you will, in the world. But is it really free? And uh, anyone that learned uh, the, uh, the Chafetz Chaim, uh, which uh, has been translated to multiple languages, uh, knows that speech is not free in any country. In any country. Not because of the law of the land, but because of the law of heaven. And free speech does not exist. Uh, the question is, how expensive is it? is some of the things we're going to try to cover today because that's in essence what the Gaon Mivilna uh, was uh, expressing to his family, not just uh, you know throughout this particular section we'll go over today, but really since the beginning of the letter where he told his wife uh, and uh, in essence to us to, to be careful of speaking uh, you know, idle words that, you know, just mundane uh, conversation, especially so during times of uh, Shabbat or Yom Tov, because it is the strength of, the, uh, of that uh, klipa that's generated from uh, uh, inappropriate speech that gives strength to the punishment that a person is going to get in Kafakela. And that's what the Gaumi Vilna was saying already, uh, just for idle words, meaning permissible speech, but at the wrong time or a wrong quantity. Needless to say, forbidden speech, such as Lashon Ara, Rechilut, which are two different things, really. Uh, Lashon Ara is, in essence, true speech about somebody else that perhaps they, want, they don't want the world to know or is just not in uh, your place to say. Uh, and again, this is a very brief description of it. You want to know more details, listen to the rest of the shiur, and of course, read the, uh, the Chafetz Chaim. Uh, as he goes through a whole uh, uh, encompassing explanation of Lashon Ara, which really by the time you complete that, uh, that series of books of, uh, about Lashon Ara, you're never going to talk about anybody uh, unless they're a really bad person because then it's a mitzvah. Uh, other than that, you're not going to talk about anybody. It's just, it's just that's really what the conclusion is of the book to save you some time, but you shouldn't take my word for it. You should read it yourself and you'll see what uh, what I mean. Now, uh, that's, that's Lashon Ara. As far as Rechilut is, in essence, saying uh, bad things, rumors about other people, things that are untrue, 
things that are uh, em- embarrassing other people in a uh, negative way, such as uh, what uh, some of these Reshaim uh, like to do on a regular basis, sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes on camera, uh, because they have nothing really good to say. You know, people always uh, send me these different videos of Asher Meza for already for a few years, likes to take a uh, special segment of his, uh, of his useless uh, so-called podcast or show uh, with a bunch of degenerates uh, that uh, don't keep Shabbat, don't keep mitzvot, and I'm not really sure what makes them Jewish. But nonetheless, each time they take a segment of this so-called show and insult me. It's, uh, I'm not really sure if it's a hobby or it's just a, uh, they have nothing better to say. Not really so sure. But nonetheless, you'll see. You'll see if you've ever wasted your time and uh, wanted to damage your neshama by listening to it, you'll hear these, uh, these fools say things that, you know, generally speaking, have nothing to do with anything. Uh, you know, calling me a liar, calling me this, calling me that. Not really sure what's the, uh, what's the point, but I guess it gives them pleasure. Question is, is that speech, is that speech free? Now we know already it's not free, but how expensive is it is really what we're going to try to get to. How expensive is it? Furthermore, what if you hear somebody saying something wrong? Should you say something? You know, as they say in New York uh, and in other places, if you see something, say something. You know, when they uh, after the September 11 terrorism that they had, uh, or as or as uh, the the media would like for us to to believe this uh, exterior terrorism. Uh, the uh, after all of that happened, they said, if you see something, say something. You see something unusual, say something. Now, if you see somebody going against the Torah, saying things that are against the Torah, talking about people in a uh, negative way, people that are righteous, people that are trying to be righteous, people that are generally uh, doing good things, or even Talmidei Chachamim, are you supposed to say something? That's another thing. Uh, Furthermore, I mean, it's a, do you have to rebuke? So there's a lot of things, a lot of intricate things that, uh, you know, speech, uh, speech uh, has to do. But then some people will say, listen, I just don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. I see that my Rebbe doesn't get involved. He doesn't say anything. He sees people are driving to the Knesset every Shabbat and he doesn't say anything. So I'm going to learn from him. He doesn't say anything. I'm not going to say anything. He sees people speaking in the synagogue while we're praying. He doesn't say anything. So I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to, you know, embarrass him by me saying something. Is that the right approach? Is his approach the right approach? Uh, because, the, you know, people like to quote, the the way of Torah is the way of pleasantness. Are you, you know, if you are rebuking somebody, is that really pleasantness? Uh, like the verse is implying. So these are some of the things we're going to try to cover by Zadashek. So the Gaumi Vilna has uh, told us time and time again about how we have to be careful with our speech. Last week, we completed the section uh, by simply concluding that a person needs to make himself a mute. Simply don't talk unless you have something really useful and important to say, especially if it's Torah. If you have Torah to talk, talk as much as you want. Other things, not so much. How much, not so much, whatever you were thinking of talking, cut it in half, and then half again, and even that, ask a rabbi if you're allowed to say it. Why? Because most of the problems that come to a person come to them because of the things that they say. 
Things that they say, they say things out of place. They call their uh, their significant other all types of names. Sometimes uh, they'll even say, hey, uh, you know, hey, uh, want to be cute. They want to, you know, be, uh, you know, funny, but they don't know. They don't have the, uh, uh, the uh, I guess, I don't know, brain maybe, or they just don't have the gift of gab. And they'll, uh, you know, tell, uh, tell their wife, hey, come here, chubby. I want to talk to you. You know, and they think that's cute because he's calling his wife chubby like she's cute and huggable. And in his mind, that's a cute thing. In reality, he probably just ended his marriage. Why? No woman in the world, even if she knows she's heavy, wants to be told she's heavy. Only a stupid guy would say such a thing. But guess what? I talk to some of those stupid people and I try to help their marriages. Why? Because I tell them, you can't say anything like that to women. Why? Because a woman is is self-conscious naturally. You just made her more self-conscious by your dumb speech. Or just telling a woman, listen, that dress, I don't know, it doesn't really look good on you. That's a dumb person. That's a dumb person. What? I was being honest. Okay, you'll be honest and you'll be divorced. Honest and divorced or not honest, but happily married. Which one do you want? Some guys don't know how to <clears throat> shut their mouth. Same thing with women. Some, you know, women, the, the Gemara even tells us in Masechet Ketubot that uh, there were 10 measures, 10 measures of speech given to the world. And nine of them were given to women. Page 49b. Where nine of the measures of speech were given to women. Meaning that women like to talk. Women like to talk. As soon as the guy comes home, she wants to tell him the entire Megillat Estel that happened from the second she woke up or from the second he left the house, whichever one is longer. And she wants to tell him everything. And she's disappointed he's not so interested all the time. Now, again, ladies, you have to understand if the guy went to work all day, went to learn all day, uh, which is really is even more difficult than traditional work. Nonetheless, he's not exactly uh, going to have that much energy to speak to you. But if he's a good husband, he'll listen to you somewhat. Just feed him first. You know, do something. Don't just like blab away and expect him to, you know, uh, enjoy that every single night. Again, it's uh, it's a special gift that women have. They like to talk. And, uh, you know, but you have to understand that not everybody agrees. Not everybody agrees. But at the same token, some woman will say, listen, my husband doesn't like to talk to me, so I talk to my friends. So even when the guy comes home, instead of, put, you know, hanging up on our friend or kicking our friend down, telling him, listen, my husband's home, go away, go home, and, you know, in a nice way. You don't have to say it the way I do, but saying it in some nice way, oh, my husband home, I got to go now, or you got to go now because I live here. Instead of saying that, she waves to her husband like he's a guest, like he's one of the you know people that came to the restaurant. Hey, how are you? And then she goes back on the phone, or she goes back and drinks coffee with her friend. That's a wife. That's a terrible wife. It's really not a good wife. Why is not a good wife? Because a wife is supposed to honor her husband like he's a king. No queen in the history of queens that actually survived ever honored her husband that way. For anyone that wants to know more details about Shlom Bait, highly recommend the show we did at uh, in um, live uh, with a live audience uh, a week ago, uh, Hashem, it's gotten great feedback, and uh, it's it's called Shlombite, the uh, uh, tools to cure any marriage or fix any marriage. It's gotten some great great feedback, and I, I myself I got a lot of chizuk from it. So Bezat Hashem, this is one of the things that people need to apply to their life, and one of those tools is again controlling your speech. 
Controlling your speech, even if your husband makes you really upset, to be spiteful is not a good idea. Your kids do stupid things, to curse them, never a good idea. Never a good idea. There's actually a very famous story, a terrible story, but nonetheless, a famous story in Eretz Yisrael. When I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid growing up in Eretz Yisrael, I was uh, born in Israel and lived there for the first 10 years of my life, for any of you that don't know. And uh, there was a famous story that happened uh, where a, uh, you know, in those days, I'm not sure how it is today, it's probably worse, but nonetheless, in those days, the, uh, the way people would express themselves at times was, uh, I guess, especially to uh, people that are Americanized, is not not, doesn't sound normal, but nonetheless, when somebody would get upset at somebody else, ah, I wish he died. Ah, I wish he died. That's the shiamut. You know, I wish he died. I don't know if people use that expression anymore. I think they do, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't live there, and Baruch Hashem, I don't associate with people like that. But nonetheless, people say, ah, I wish he died. I know in English they do that sometimes, but it's not necessarily the first thing that comes out of people's mouth. Anyway, there was a woman that uh, had kids, and those kids drove her crazy. Drove her insane, you know, climbing the walls practically, and simply drove her crazy. And she did not have Torah in her life, obviously, did not have any, uh, any tradition that connected her to Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore her traditional speech was things like that, but not just to strangers, but even to our kids. And one time that our uh, kid uh, didn't listen to her and said uh, and did something stupid and ran away from her, and uh, she said, ah, shiamut, uh, you know, meaning may he die. He got hit by a car right there and he died in front of her. Now I know that right now you're picking up your jaw, putting it back in your mouth because you're shocked, but it's a true story. It happened, and unfortunately, this is not a happenstance. This is not a coincidence, but rather because the power of speech, the power of speech is much more significant than a person would think. If you're going to curse somebody, make sure it's worth it because that curse may come true. That curse may come true, and it's, it's, a, it's a very dangerous thing to curse people. I'm not even talking about cursing of using, you know, uh, swear words and things of that nature. I'm talking about things like what I just said. So it's very dangerous to, uh, to just speak freely as people define it. Because that free speech can be very, very costly. And that woman, I'm assuming, is probably still crying to this day if she's still alive. Uh, for, for, that, uh, for those few words that, uh, that happened to her. So again... A person needs to understand that everything has a price. Everything. Even though no one is necessarily going to give you a receipt for every single act that you do. In Shamaim, there is an eye that's watching, an ear that is listening, and a hand that's writing every single thing that we're doing. Meaning, there's a bill. There is a bill for everything. If a person does tshuva, they can already start paying their bill in this world or even their entire bill in this world and arrive to Olamaba completely free and clear of any debt and go straight to heaven. But if they continuously misuse their free speech, needless to say, misuse their body, misuse their time, misuse their money and so on, then all they're going to have up there is debt. They could have billions of dollars in this world and only debt that is uh, infinite price in Shemaim. As Arab uh, Nisim, again, Allah Shalom used to say, some people have a uh, bathroom in their house that cost them $250,000 to build, 
but their house in Olamaba is not even a bathroom that you would find in a gas station. In so many words, a person spends all of his resources, all of his time to beautify his bathroom, which again, if you have the resources to do it, by all means, but make sure that at the very least, your Olamaba is better than what you have over here. Many times people spend all of their resources on this world as if they're going to stay here forever, which is really ludicrous. But nonetheless, it happens time and time again, even after people hear the truth. So it's for us, it's important for us to remind ourselves, to remind you that this world is not free. Says the Gaon Mivilna, Translation, he brings a couple of verses from uh, Mishle, uh, but also uh, uh, from Ecclesiastes, and he says, and what's the advantage, what advantage is there to one who has a tongue? Furthermore, everything has a cure except the, the snake. What does this mean? What does this mean? Now, the interestingly enough, if you dissect the verse, you see that he says, what advantage is there to somebody who has a tongue? And then he says, everything has a cure except the snake. The snake is known for his tongue. In reality, what he's saying is that no one really has a uh, uh unless a person is living a life full of torah no one has the ability to use their tongue in a positive way other than the snake the snake needs it in order to uh to hunt his prey and so on and uh the snake is a uh, is using his tongue as his main weapon but at the same token everything has a cure meaning even the people that don't know how to use their tongue because they're using it to speak lashonara evil tongue Lashonara literally translates to evil tongue evil speech and uh they don't know how to use their uh their tongue they don't know how to use their speech to, to their own advantage the snake does but you should know the snake doesn't have a cure you do that's the good news that's the good news even though the snake knows how to use his tongue in a positive way for himself that positive way for himself is not necessarily a positive way to anything else. And the um, the Midrash Agadot uh, Bereshit in chapter 78 teaches that in the end of days, after Mashiach comes, when all of the uh, all of the world's imperfections will be corrected, except for the crippling of the Nachash, the crippling of the snake. Hashem punished the snake for saying Lashonara about him. That was, in essence, the first sin that, uh, that happened in, uh, in creation. Even before Adam Arishon uh, ate from the tree of knowledge, it was only after the uh, Nachash said Lashonara about Hashem, telling Chava that uh, Hashem is a, uh, doesn't want you to, uh, to eat it because he's afraid you'll be like him and all types of other nonsense that he said. And he went overboard, and for that he got punished. He did not want Adam and Chava 
to sin like some heretics would like for you to think and the reason why heretics say that just as a side note that uh, they say things like Hashem wanted you to sin is simply because they want to justify and in so-called rationalize their own sins as if to tell Hashem listen Hashem you wanted Adam Arishon to sin and he was much better than me therefore if I sinned with a forbidden woman forbidden money forbidden thoughts forbidden acts that means you wanted me to sin and I wasn't even as perfect as Adam Arishon in essence they are uh, trying to not only justify their own sins but they're also in, in in the same process enabling others to justify their own sins hence the reason why saying such a thing is 100 heresy cannot say such a thing that Hashem wanted Adam Arishon to sin or wants anybody to sin Hashem does not benefit from us sinning uh, or us doing mitzvot as we learned from the prophet Job in the book of Job chapter 35 it literally says Hashem does not benefit from our mitzvot does not benefit from our avirot but in reality he punishes because we are hurting other people and also not allowing him to give us the good that he wants to give us because that's the only reason why he created us to give us good so when we sin we hurt other people we limit his ability to give us good because it's not a a righteous God cannot give good for something bad and therefore a person gets punished so to say that Hashem wants us to sin is 100% the opposite of the purpose of creation but of course you'll have people like Manus Friedman and the rest of the Rishayim out there always preach to the public that Hashem understands no matter what you do and he's okay with it and you continue on sinning and he even wants you to sin this is literally the 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 opposite of that Torah to the highest extent but nonetheless the uh the uh, the Nachash the serpent was the first sinner was the first sinner and said about Hashem and the punishment that he got was number one he lost his ability to walk he used to the Chachamim say he used to walk uh, like a regular person he used to even look to a certain extent like a regular person with arms and legs but since then he's been uh, 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 traveling on his stomach with no legs uh, there is a, a few uh, 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 scientific findings of, uh, of snakes that are showing things that look like legs but obviously we know they're not legs and they're not necessarily something that's oftenly used but nonetheless the heretics will always try to tell you oh look is this this is this a uh uh going to contradict the torah it doesn't contradict anything there are multiple different types of uh, species uh just because the, 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 the snake of today looks one way doesn't necessarily mean that it's the same exact snake as it was in Ganeden. there's a whole megillah of explanations for everything there are no contradictions in the Torah whatsoever there are only lackings for for people that don't understand what the Torah says but nonetheless we see here that the Nachash got a punishment to crawl he can't walk but aside from that also all of the food that he consumes tastes the same it all tastes like dust and this punishment that the Nachash got, uh, which also includes Hashem not accepting his prayer, didn't even want to hear his, his plea at all. Uh, he heard Adam's plea, he heard Chava's plea, but he did not want to hear the Nachash's plea. Uh, so here the Midrash says that uh, everything that's imperfect in the world will be corrected when Mashiach comes, except the Nachash. 
meaning that punishment is forever. And the Midrash is teaching us for a reason. What's the reason? Just as the snake will have no remedy, so too will one who speaks Lashonara. Because the comparison between the snake and one who speaks Lashonara is alluded to in the verse in Kohelet, in Ecclesiastes. Not only was it the actual action that the Nachash did, but also it's alluded to in different verses in the Torah, where Shlomo HaMelech says, Im If the snake bites without being charmed, meaning just as the snake bites without any benefit, there is no advantage to the master of the tongue who speaks Lashonara without gaining from it. So here we see that there are multiple places in the Torah that connect the Nachash to Lashonara. And it's also a, uh, the uh, Lashonara in essence called evil tongue, which the most uh, well-known evil tongue there is, uh, you know, uh, one that you can see is the tongue of the, uh, of the snake himself. So this verse that we already start with from uh, Ecclesiastes that the Gomi Vilna is quoting is in essence teaching us that the what advantage is there for a person that has a tongue, meaning that the uh, a person that says Lashonara has no advantage, but also has no cure in the afterlife, meaning whatever cure you want has to be here, has to be here. Says the Rambam, if somebody says Lashonara, then they could potentially still have an Olam Abba. But that's only referring to someone that says Lashonara as a, it happened. Not as on a regular basis, as the Rambam specifically says. Because surely someone that says Lashonara on a regular basis has no share of the world to come. Which agrees with everything we just said. That the Nachash does not have a remedy, does not have a cure. Meaning, free speech is not free at all, but rather the most expensive. It's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. Saying things that you're not allowed to say is something that is extremely costly. Perhaps the most costly of all. Furthermore, the, uh, the uh, Gaumi Vilna uses a, a verse that it says that the uh, Nachash does not have any benefit in, uh, in biting. Doesn't have benefit in biting. So this is an interesting uh, teaching. Why do I care if the Nachash has no benefit in biting? Because technically everything tastes the same. And in reality, he doesn't necessarily need to bite. Because sometimes he has the venom and he already kills the, uh, the prey with the venom. And he swallows it whole. So there's, he's not chewing. What's the point of the biting? So Chachamim say for on first, on first a, uh, uh, a level of, uh, of, of explanation is that just like the Nachash has no benefit in the bite, there is no benefit in someone saying Lashonara. But there's also further explanations of this. There's also further explanations of this which come from the Gemara. Come from the Gemara. Gemara in Masechet Ta'anit, page 8a, brings this verse. Brings the verse, 
רבי עמי says, אם ישוך הנחש בלא לחש, ואין יתרון לבעל הלשון. If the snake bites, because it was not charmed, then the master of speech has no advantage. That's the same verse we just, uh, we just uh, talked about. Same one from Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, verse 11. So the first interpretation of it is if you see, says Rabbi Ami, what's the, what's the, what does this all mean? This, this snake biting, not being charmed. Uh, it's a, uh, obviously, it's a, there's a deeper meaning here. So the first basic meaning, the Gemara interprets this, is that if you see a generation in which the sky is rust-colored like copper, meaning it's a, uh, this generation is full of sinners and they're getting one of the curses that's mentioned in Parashat Bechukotai, where the sky becomes copper-like, whether, whether it's a war or drought uh, and things of that nature. Where it's copper colored from uh, uh, failure to uh, precipitate uh, dew and rain, it's because the generation is lacking in people who speak soft utterances. Some say it's uh, people, it's lacking in people that pray. But Rashi says something different, which we'll get to in a moment. But the Gemara of Rabbi Ami says, if you see a generation that is uh you know you see that there is difficulty in a generation perhaps it's because the generation is lacking people that are praying people are not praying enough and what's their remedy says they should go to one who knows how to speak softly meaning they should go to the tzaddik go to the tzaddik and he should pray for them so hashem will have mercy on them that's the basic meaning so far that the gemara says but comes rashi and says wait but obviously, there's a reason why we're comparing this to a snake. Snake is not charmed. Why do I care if the snake is charmed or not charmed? So Rashi says something beautiful. Mamash beautiful. Without Rashi, you can't survive a single page in anywhere. So Rashi says here on this pasuk, that the, there's, a, there's a certain person that's called like a master of the snake, like a snake charmer. You know those people, they have them in the world, they start, uh, you know, uh, 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 using some flute, or they have all types of uh, things that they, different tools, either they talk to the snake, or they hypnotize it in different ways, and they charm the snake in order to stop it from biting. In order to stop it from biting. And sometimes they'll even make it dance and, and do types of things, but in reality, if they did not do that, that snake would be a killer. Many times they use very, very dangerous snakes for these things. So Rashi says, this, this master of, uh, of, uh, of the snake is the equivalent of the master of speech. Meaning that this master of the snake is capable of preventing the snake from biting people. And he gains nothing from failing to exercise his powers. Meaning, if there's a snake out there, and this guy's an expert in charming snakes, him letting the snake continue freely bite people, he doesn't gain out of it. That snake is not just going to go after his enemies. He'll go after everybody, that snake. If that's a dangerous snake, he could kill everybody, kill even him, kill other people. So there's no benefit for the snake charmer to leave the snake without doing anything. So just like the snake charmer does not gain anything by not charming the snake in order to tame it, the master of speech, meaning the rabbi, 
meaning the person that has the ability to speak has no benefit of maintaining his silence and failing to offer rebuke to his people when they stumble in sin. That's what the pasuk means here. Meaning this pasuk is trying to tell us this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us different hints in different verses in the Torah. Here he's talking about these issues of Lashon Ara. There's the snake. And just like the snake does not benefit from biting something, because he doesn't need it in order to consume it, a person that says Lashon Ara also doesn't benefit out of saying Lashon Ara. You're never going to benefit in the end by saying bad things about other people, true or not true. You're not going to benefit out of it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that runs the world. You could think that you're benefiting out of it because you look better in other people's eyes, but once you get the punishment from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you'll regret the day that you were ever born, needless to say the day that you actually said something bad about anybody, especially if it's a Talmud Chacham or it's a, it's a kosher person. You simply are burying yourself in the worst place in Gainon, which we'll talk about momentarily. But nonetheless, first part of the Pasuk is explained to us, just like the snake does not benefit out of using its teeth and biting something, you yourself are not going to benefit out of saying Lashon But don't think that that's the only thing, that's the only message here. There's even a further message. If you see a generation that is not getting their Parnassah, Perhaps it's because people are not using their speech in the right way. They're not praying, but not just not praying. Perhaps the generation is saying a lot of Lashonara. The generation is saying a lot of stupid things. And if that's not bad enough, why is Hashem punishing the whole generation? Because it's his last resort. It's his last resort. Why is it his last resort? As the Gemara in Masechet Chagigah says, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told the prophet Jeremiah, I'm going to destroy the Bet HaMikdash. Millions and millions of people are going to die. Jeremiah cried to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please HaKadosh Baruch Hu, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do tshuva. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to the prophet Jeremiah, go from place to place, from Keilah to Keilah, from Bet Knesset to Bet Knesset, from Yeshiva to Yeshiva. If you can find me, a single person that's rebuking the people, it will save everybody. That one person that's rebuking people will bring enough mercy to save the entire generation. Meaning, Amisra was being judged like Sodom and Gomorrah. Because Akadosh Baruch Hu told, Adam, told Avram Avinu, if you can find me 10 people, 10 people that are, uh, are righteous with Hashem, I'll save the whole place. In, in, in Bet HaMikdash, if you find me one person, one person that's rebuking the people, I'll forgive everybody, I'll give them more time. Jeremiah went from place to place, Bet Knesset to Bet Knesset, Bet Midrash to Bet Midrash, Yeshiva to Yeshiva, and could not find a single person that's rebuking the people. Not one person was rebuking the people. He found a lot of religious people, found a lot of from people, found a lot of people that were religious from birth, a lot of Baalit Shuva, a lot of converts, a lot of everything. But not a single person was rebuking the public. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Jeremiah, you see, there's no one that's rebuking them. Therefore, there is no way that they can do tshuva. 
Because the only effective way to help people do tshuva is by rebuking them and reminding them that they're doing something wrong. And if the rabbis are not rebuking anyone, then there's no chance for this generation to do tshuva without me getting involved, the Kadosh Baruch Hu says. And after Jeremiah saw this with his own eyes, it is unfortunately, there was no other hope for the generation. It was either they were going to lead to their own destruction permanently, chas v'shalom, or have a destruction that's extraordinary. It's a holocaust and a half, but not permanent. Not permanent. And that's why Abayet teaches in the Gemara Masichet Chagiga about this particular uh, Midrash teachings, which we repeat in our prayer every day in the morning. Men of faith, we can't find them. What men of faith? Men that have enough faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu to tell the truth and not worry about whether the donations are going to come in. To tell the truth and not worry about whether they're going to get fired. To tell the truth and not worry about whether they're not going to be popular, they're not going to get likes. People are worried about likes. They think that likes is going to get them Gan Eden. You ask a guy, listen, uh, you realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world, right? Yes. You realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't create this world just for you to have a good time, go to the pool, go to the beach, drive a fast car, build houses. You realize it's not just for that. There's other things. No, no, don't worry, Rabbi. I, uh, I'm, I'm religious. How are you religious exactly? What, what do you do for God? Oh, no, no, I, I learned Torah. You learn Torah for yourself. What do you do for God? Why? Well, I, I keep Shabbat. Okay, you keep Shabbat so you don't have to go to Gainom on Shabbat too. Because Gainom is open 24-7. But a section of it closes down on Shabbat. So you don't want to go to Genom on Shabbat too, so you keep Shabbat. That's for you. Torah is for you. Well, I do mitzvot. Mitzvot's for you. What do you do for Hashem? Oh, well, you know what? The last time somebody made a post on Facebook, they said, if you love Hashem, share it or press like. You know what, Rabbi? Not only did I share it with my entire group, I also pressed like. The guy thinks that he's going to heaven because he pressed like on a post. He thinks he's going to heaven because he pressed like on a post. If you love Hashem, press like. He thinks he's going to heaven for that. People are delusional. They don't understand that you came to this world to toil. Pressing like is nice. It's good. But it's not for Hashem. It's for you. You want to do something for Hashem? Says the Chovot of Levavot, get other people to go back to Hashem. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that there's nobody out there that's doing effective Kiruv to get people to do Tshuva, meaning no one is rebuking the people, he told Jeremiah there's no other way for people to do Tshuva. Saying to them Hashem loves you no matter what is not going to help people do Tshuva. Saying to people that uh, everybody goes to heaven is not going to help people do Tshuva. Saying to people that if you keep Shabbat and you'll become rich because of it, it's not going to get people to do tshuva. Saying to people that the Torah is something that you can do and uh, therefore it's a, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll become very successful, guaranteed. It's not going to get people to do tshuva. Why? Because some people are not successful as a result. Some people struggle. So what are you going to say? The Torah doesn't work for them. Chaz v'shalom. Person needs to understand Torah is something you're obligated to do whether you like it or you don't like it. That's why you're here. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart to do it, meaning you were created 
to fulfill the entire Torah, no matter what upbringing you had, whether you're from, from birth, you're Hasidish, you're Litvish, you're Ashkenazi, you're Sfaradi, you're Chabad, you're uh, Breslev, you're Baal Tshuva, you're a convert, you didn't even realize you were Jewish for the first 50 years, and now you do, doesn't make a difference. Right now you know, right now you're obligated on the entire Torah, and you can do it. Yeah, but it's hard for me. Hard doesn't mean impossible. If I told you it's hard to make a billion dollars, but it's possible, would you do it? Of course you would. But how come for money in this world, you would do anything to get it, but to get eternity, it all, all of a sudden becomes impossible? Obviously, that's the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah, that's the Nachash. The Nachash that's saying Lashon Ara about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and says to you, no, 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 you can't do it. It's not that you are, are uh, it's, it's tough to do it. You can't do this. You can't do tshuva. That's the lies of the Satan, the lies of the Yetzirah, the lies of all of his soldiers that sometimes look like rabbis. Rabotai Karim, if a person wants his generation to have good, they have to speak to the public in a form of rebuke. Sometimes rebuke comes in this nature, public speech. Sometimes rebuke is one-on-one. Sometimes rebuke is strong. Sometimes rebuke is a whisper. There's all types of rebuke, but nonetheless, each person is obligated at the mitzvah, of the mitzvah of rebuking. Every person is obligated, but even more of an obligation on the leaders. As the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat, Masechet Abu Dazara, Masechet Sanhedrin, and many other places says, if he has connection only to one person, he has to rebuke that one person. But if he has control over his family, he has to rebuke his family. If he has control over his keilah, he has to rebuke the keilah. If he has control over his city, he has to rebuke the city. If he is the biggest rabbi in the world, and he has control over the world, he has to rebuke the entire world. Or else, says Rabbi Yudanasi, all of their sins also go on him because he didn't rebuke. Meaning, his friend that he didn't rebuke, continued violating Shabbat, it counts as if you're violating Shabbat also, Chazor Shalom. Why? Because you saw him driving on Shabbat one, two, three, fifty times, never said a single thing. Or you tried one time, he didn't listen to you, you gave up. You have a very serious problem. Your family said, Abba, I want to go to public school. You said, okay, fine, I don't want to hear you cry. You send your kids to public school, you have a very, very serious bill in Shemaim. Why? Every single one of your sins of the kids are going to make goes to your account, Hashem Yishmol Vietzim. Your kids violate Shabbat, your kids uh, violate... Uh, all types of uh, uh, lavim, all types of sins, all of that goes on the on the father, all the mother, all of it. Why? You have control over your family. You're a leader in your community. You're a president of a uh, of a synagogue. What do you think? The president of a synagogue is a good job to have. Only a zealous person should be a president of a synagogue. A person that's not zealous for Hashem should run away from such a job, run away from being a gabai, run away from being a president, run away from being a board. Why? The boards of every single Bet Knesset will get punished for the keilah that they lead if they don't bring them the truth. If you think you are doing the Bet Knesset or yourself a service by being on the board of directors and bringing all types of shows and bouncy houses, you got something coming for you. Why? If your keilah is full of Mechale Shabbat, people that desecrate a Kadosh Baruch Hu's name on a regular basis, and you're not doing anything about it as one of the leaders, 
all of their sins will also go to your account even if you keep shabbat even if you're religious you think that you're doing the world a service you're not doing anybody a service especially yourself if you can't say anything run away from such a job yeah but i donated five million dollars okay donated five million dollars to the wrong place what can i tell you it's better that you donate five million dollars to something that's going to help people do tshuva but if you think that just donating the money you're finished with the job and you could be on the board as some type of like alumni you got something coming for you why akadosh Bahu has given each and every leader leadership for a reason not just because you know how to write five million not just because you know how to sit on a fancy chair in a really nice way and people say how are you and shake your hand because they think you're the president not because of that because you have a position of power and therefore people listen to you which means if you're going to bring the truth to your bit knesset people will come because of your honor because of fearing you and if you don't you will get punished severely severely worse than if you would have violated it by yourself why could you get everybody's sins all of these board of directors will get a genome like no other if they're not doing anything to save their kila and not just from bit from yeshivot from from uh, all types of jewish organizations all types of things people that are not helping their community do tshuva are literally setting themselves up for a failure like no other like no other because you have no benefit you have no benefit of being in that position that you're able to speak the truth and you choose not to you have no benefit whatsoever especially if it's like a non-profit organization you're not even getting paid for it it's the stupidest thing in the world to do if you're not going to bring the truth to the people you don't necessarily need to be the uh, the speaker of the world but you need to bring the speaker bring the truth bring the books bring the rabbis bring the avrichim bring the torah some of these batekneset people call me about i cry when i listen to the messages somebody called me the other day and he says to me rabbi i gotta tell you i don't know why i have to tell somebody i said what he said our bet knesset has hundreds of people learning torah in it i said baruch hashem baruch hashem it's fantastic finally i get good news he said no no that's not that's not the good news i said well, what, what do you mean it's not good news hundreds of people learning torah in a bit knesset it's not even a yeshiva it's not even a kolal a bit knesset people are learning torah it's the greatest news in the world he says yeah but the problem is they all left why why they all leave what happened why no air conditioner give them air conditioner no food give them food he goes no 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 the rabbi got upset so the rabbi got upset that they're learning Torah. I go, no, no, rabbi, not because they're learning Torah. He got upset because the board of directors of the Bet Knesset are all the Shaim Arurim. And what do they do? They bring mixed dancing weddings into the Bet Knesset. One time, two times, three times, the rabbi, Baruch Hashem, has Yirat Shamayim. He says, that's it. No more Torah in this Bet Knesset. Why this place a big place of Chilul Hashem? We're not going to learn Torah in a place of Chilul Hashem. Ashrecha Rabenu, Ashrecha Vashrecha, Ashrecha. Fantastic! That's a rabbi. That's a rabbi. These board of directors will get such a punishment. You have no idea. Not only, not only because they they caused all of these people that were learning Torah to leave. Not only because of that. But even worse, the Chilul Hashem that they're causing, 
having mixed dance weddings and bar mitzvahs inside a bit knesset lo pachot velo yoter Hashem ishmor v'yetzi Rabotai, this is not one story or two stories or a thousand stories Every one of these people that's leading a community in some form or another, as a board, as a uh, member, as a rabbi, as a gabai, if you're not bringing the truth to your kila, you will be judged for it. And even worse so, if you're the one that's in essence making that happen, I don't feel bad for you at all, but I feel bad for you. Why? Because literally, there is no end to the punishment of such a person. There's no end. There's no end. Chilul Hashem is a, is a sin that you can't even fix in this world without Kiddush Hashem. You cannot fix it. And to do Kiddush Hashem, Rabotai Ekrim, is very difficult. It's not so easy. People think doing Kiddush Hashem is easy. You know what Kiddush Hashem is? Get somebody to do tshuva. You ever get somebody to do tshuva? A lot of people talk about how they got this guy to keep, uh, I don't know, something. Oh, I got him to keep Shabbat for eight minutes. Okay, Habibi. It's not exactly Kiddush Hashem. I don't know what you think it is, because Shabbat is not eight minutes. Kiddush Hashem is getting somebody to change their entire life. Getting somebody to change their entire life is difficult. It's difficult. But Chilul Hashem is easy. Rabbi again, Allah Shalom, used to say, you can work your whole life to earn yourself a place in Gan Eden. And you can lose it in one second. Every single time I heard Rabbi again say it, I trembled trembled not just because of his voice but because i knew it's emet it's 100 percent true 70 years you can work on to hopefully go to heaven but you can lose it in one second by being part of these board of directors board of advisors goodbye fake rabbi or some other f- clown that's out there all of these people that have a position of power if you're one of them either get your together or leave why you're taking a very very big chance very big chance and you won't have anything to benefit just like the snake doesn't benefit from biting says the Gemara Rabotai Karim says the Gemara if the snake bites the snake bites he has no benefit just like a person says Lashonara just like a person says Lashonara you see an entire Keilah entire community with one tragedy after another perhaps it's because people are not praying enough but let's say they're praying let's say they're praying three times a day but there's still tragedy there's still corona there's still uh, the uh, mutation of corona there's still all types of issues obviously the problem is not prayer says Rashi Kadosh 900 years ago it's because the leaders are not rebuking because they think that if they say the truth to the community, the people will run away. Rashi Kadosh that knew a lot more than all of us put together says, you do not benefit by not p- telling people the truth. You don't benefit out of telling people the truth, meaning that you think that you're keeping your community intact because you don't tell them the truth. Rashi Kadosh says, not only do you not keep them because of that, but in fact, you'll end up losing them and you'll end up losing your Lamabatu. Why? Because you are in a position of power to tell people the truth and you chose not to. A very stupid decision. You chose for them. Who are you 
to choose for the public what they can handle. If a Kadosh Baruch Hu has a pasuk in the Torah time and time again, that you were created to fulfill the Torah, and you chose for the community that they cannot handle the Torah, are you bigger than God or the same? Which one do you view yourself as? Rabotai Karim, people do things that literally put their Olam in the garbage pail, but yet they walk around like they're Moshe Rabbeinu because they think they did enough mitzvot to make up for it, or they don't even realize that it's a sin. And that brings us to the second section. Why is there no remedy for the snake? I.e., why is there no remedy for the Baal Shonara? Why is there no remedy for him? Why can't he just say, listen, I'm sorry, fixed, right? Says the Chafetz Chaim HaKadosh, Lashon Hara is worse than murder. How could Lashon Hara be worse than murder? Murder, you kill somebody. Lashon Hara, okay, you're murdering the guy, you're embarrassing him, fine, but is it really Mamash worse than murder? Says the Chafetz Chaim, it's worse than murder. Why is it worse than murder? Says the Chafetz Chaim, you see, even the worst murderer. The next day, the next minute, at some point in the future, will feel bad about killing that guy. He killed him. He was mad at him. He needed something. Whatever it is, he killed the guy. But then, he's going to think about it. Ah, you know what? That guy had a family. Oh, look, that's his kid. Ah, that kid's going to grow up without a father. Ah, maybe I could have done this. Maybe I could have done The murderer will have some type of eh, feeling of... I'm sorry, a little bit, but the Baal Shonara doesn't even realize he did anything wrong. Why? He says, "Why? What I said is true. He is rich. Why is that bad? I just told everybody he's rich. What's the problem? I just told everybody he lost his job. What's the problem? I just told everybody that they're getting a divorce. What's the problem? I just told everybody this, and I just told everybody that. What's the problem?" Says the Chafetz Chaim, he doesn't even realize that what he did is wrong. Hence the reason why it's worse than murder. Because the murderer is likely to do tshuva. Have some type of remorse for the murder. But the Baal Shonara doesn't even view his actions as wrong to do tshuva. Meaning, he shows up to Olam Abba expecting heaven because he thinks he only has mitzvot. And he's surprised when he sees that practically every word that came out of his mouth during his conversations with his so-called friends led him to a bigger place in Genom. Just like the Gemara says in Masechet Avodah that Rabotai Karim, one of the scariest Gemarot I ever read in my life. Scripture says Aluka. Aluka has two daughters. Says, have, have, give, give. My have, have, says the Gemara. What is this give, give? Amar mar ukva. Shtebanot It's referring to the voice of the two daughters who cry out of Genom. And when this world say, have, have, bring me, bring me. And these daughters, who are these daughters? Heresy and the authorities. People that say things that are against the Torah. People that go against the Rabbanim. 
people that go against the sages, that's who is the queens or the daughters of Genome. And they say more and more. Why more and more? Why more and more? Why? Amarav Chisda in the name of Marukva. The voice of Genom itself cries out, says, Bring me the two daughters, meaning bring me these two people that sin. With these specific sins, they're crying out to me from other punishments. Bring me, bring me. What does this all mean? Genom says, Akadosh Baruch these people that are heretics, these people that say la shonara, these people that do all types of things against you. Of course, you sent them to Kafakela. Of course, you gave them a very difficult chibuta kever, and surely their life was terrible even in this world. But now it's my turn. Have, have, I want to eat them. Give them to me. It's my turn. Give them to me, says Genom. Hashem Yishmor V'yatzil. Hashem Yishmor V'yatzil. People don't understand what they're dealing with. They do not understand. It's a Gemara Meforeshet. It's not Yaron Uven. This is a Gemara Meforeshet, Rabotai Karim. Gemara Maseret Abu Dazara, page 17a. If people simply understood the ramifications of their own actions, of the words that they say, of the things that they look at, the places they go to, this would not be would not be needed in the world. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu has to run a world with emet, with emet, and a person that does not watch their speech is playing not with fire; he's playing with genom. He's playing with genom. A person that does not rebuke his community does not bring the truth to his community, does not try, just cares about himself, cares about herself. You, my friend, are not fulfilling a very, very big mitzvah, which is called rebuke your people. Now, rebuke can come in a million different ways. You don't have to talk to people directly, but you can bring the truth to people in multiple ways. And if the rabbi of your community is not doing the job, get a real rabbi. If the board of directors is not allowing you to do it, fire the board. If the board cannot be fired, shut down the place. Go start a new Beknesset out of a house. A Beknesset or a Yeshiva that cannot tell people the truth is not a Beknesset or a Yeshiva. It's a Moshav Letzim. It's a place of clowns. Can't be a part of such a place. Why? You're inheriting sins. Inheriting sins. Yeah, but what about the people that are running it? They're really successful. They're really nice people. They're really this. They're really that. Says Eliyahu Navi in Tana Deve Eliyahu, you have to be careful who you compliment. Why you have to be careful? Because anyone that gives honor to someone, even if it's a scholar, that's not deserving. Needless to say, if it's not a scholar that's not deserving, it's just because he's rich and you're giving him honor. The only thing you get out of that, says Eliyahu Navi, is Genom. You get genom for honoring the wrong people. You honor the fake rabbi. You honor the fake rich person. You honor these fakers. Genom is the only thing you're going to get out of it. That's what Eliyahu Anavi signs off on. In Tanah Devei Eliyahu. Rabotai Yekarim. Rabbeinu Yonah. Rabbeinu Yonah in Sharet Shuvah. 
says the following with chesed which is overwhelming kindness and emet emet truth that will be the rectification of the sins says Rabbeinu Yonah what is chesed ve'emet will bring the how how it's chesed and emet bring the rectification of the sins chesed is if you help people do tshuva chesed will help people do tshuva that will help that will help people get rid of their sins okay so why don't you say chesed helping people do tshuva that will help rectify all the sins no says that the uh 800 years ago he says no emet also needed why emet why emet says Yonah, emet is not just telling people the truth emet is having the zealousness inside you that when you see that there are other people that are desecrating hashem's torah desecrating hashem's name hurting am israel it literally creates pain within you and you cannot stay quiet that in combination with kiruv that will rectify all the sins out there that will save am israel says rabbi that will help am israel if you just think speeches by themselves are about any mumbo jumbo topic are going to help am israel earn a good uh, judgment you're dreaming why it has to be coupled with emit but not just oh i'm gonna tell them what it says in this week's parasha for the first two pages not the whole thing because the rest of it is scary no habibi emit means says you have to have enough zealousness inside you that when you see that your community is sinning your people are sinning your family is sinning you can't stay there quietly you have to do something here's a cd listen to this here's a usb listen to this here's a link watch this here's the rabbis having a uh, shiur come with me you're doing something about it why you can't handle them continuing to live upside down life you're doing something you say something you go you do something why it pains you to see am israel far from hashem thinking that they're going to heaven because they're pressing like oh i press like on the post that says if you love hashem then press like and i even bought the bracelet that says i love hashem aren't i going to heaven for that isn't that a big mitzvah that Arizal was talking about no Arizal was not saying that to wear a bracelet that says i love hashem is going to earn you heaven no one is going to heaven for wearing a i love you hashem bracelet i promise you that but you will earn heaven if you really do love Hashem by helping other people do tshuva, by yourself doing tshuva, by keeping the mitzvot, by watching your mouth and not saying things that you're not allowed to say. Things that you're not allowed to say, if people simply protected their speech in that pattern, they would eliminate a very big part of their problems. But now, we have to understand it's not just about the simple things that every average person can understand that is forbidden speech we have to learn a little bit further we have to learn a little bit further of what this speech is this lashonara, this forbidden speech is because it's not just about 
saying things that other people don't want to hear or are not, don't want you to say or not rebuking people, not telling people the truth. There's a little bit more details to it. A little more details to it. Says the Gaon Mivilna, it's most important to refrain from speaking even words of praise about anyone. How much more so does this apply to dishonoring anyone? Why must one speak about others? As it says in a verse in Mishlei, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 14, the mouth that speaks of strangers is a deep pit. The scorned of Hashem will fall there. See here, the Gaomi Vilna throws us a little bit of a curveball. That if you haven't read Gemara or you haven't learned the Chafetz uh, Chaim, sounds odd. Why does it sound odd? If he told us, don't dishonor other people, every person knows that that's obvious. Don't dishonor other people. What's the chidush? But he didn't just say that. In fact, he didn't even highlight it. He said that it's most important to refrain. Most important to refrain from speaking even words of praise about anyone. Meaning? complimenting other people you have to refrain from doing it but hey hold on a second we have a gemara that says that that's part of avat israel love each other compliment each other so how could it say such a thing we'll get to that but needless to say if you have to be careful with the praises then surely you have to be even more careful with the insults so here we have to understand what's being discussed here. First, when it's simple, plain lashonara, you say things that you shouldn't be saying. Chavot Alevavot says, the moment you spoke lashonara about another person, you wanted to bring him shame. You say, oh yeah, that guy, yeah, he's getting divorced. Oh, that guy, yeah. <laughs> They fired him. Ah, no, that guy, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Say stupid things like this. You think that you're uh, not doing anything. It's a big deal. Well, Chavot Avalavot knows a little more than you. And what did he say? Chavot Avalavot says, Rabbeinu Gershon, says that at that moment, you spoke Lashonara about that other person, you just gave him all of your mitzvot and you took all of his sins. That moment, those words left your mouth at the same, in the same time, all of the mitzvot from your account left, went in the air. The victim is eating a burger somewhere, doing whatever he's doing. And all of a sudden, he goes, wow, I feel good today. What happened? I don't know. I just suddenly feel good. Good mood. He doesn't even know why he's in a good mood. You know why he doesn't know? He just got 30 years of mitzvot from you. He just got 30 years of mitzvot from you. And on top of that, all of his sins just left. He's clean. Tzadik. He's tzadik balail. Tzadik. All of his averot, all of his sins went to you. And you think the stomach ache that you got and the chest pains that you got 
is from the food because you ate Chinese food at some place that was questionable. No, it's not from there. It's from what you said. It's from what you said. So plain Lashonara, simple, that everybody understands don't say, very expensive. Very expensive. But the Gaumi Vilna says further, you have to be very careful with compliments. Compliments of Karim. If a person understood what the ramifications for their actions are, they would think about this twice. Rabbi Shimon Bayochai says in the Zohar Kadosh that Hakam Kadosh Bahu gave us two eyes, two ears, two legs, two hands, but only one mouth. Says the Kadosh Bahu, Rabbi Shimon. You say them, but not everybody's like you. You're thinking that if you had two mouths, you could use one mouth only for Torah and the other one for the mundane things. Unfortunately, people that don't learn Torah, they use their mouth not for Torah. They lose they, they use their mouth for Lashonara, not Torah. Lashonara. And if I would have given them two mouths, they would have said Lashonara double. Two mouths. This one says Lashonara about that guy. This one says Lashonara about that girl. One about the husband, the other one about the wife. So that's why I only gave them one mouth. Now, the Gemara in Maseret Arachim, page 16a, is going to help us solve this confusion that we're in of compliments because insults of kosher people we understand it's forbidden but compliments we're not understanding at least not face value says the in name of Rabdimi Rabdimi says that a person should avoid speaking praises of his friend lest it lead to his detriment. And Rashi comments on it, explaining that when speaking in a complimentary way about another person, either the speaker or the listener might be tempted to embellish a little bit, meaning compliment the person excessively. And that is forbidden. And that's what the Psaqalacha is. The Rambam in Chod Deot in uh, chapter 5, uh, Alcha number 3, says that it's forbidden to uh, flatter somebody and excessively compliment them. To lie. It's true. It's, it's a, it's a uh, Lashonara in so many words. It's Lashonara. It's flattery. And the Rashbam agrees with the same thing. But then there's a confusion. Wait a minute. But here you're saying to say good things is not good, but here you're saying excessive. So is that the same thing? Is everything excessive? Is saying he's good at such and such? Is that uh, always a bad thing? Because we have a Gemara in uh, Masechet uh, um, Baba Batra in page 164. A story about how the sages rebuked each other. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is sitting next to Rabbi Kadosh. Rabbi Kadosh, Rabbi Yudanasi. And Rabbi is reading Tehilim. 
and he looks at the handwriting of this Tehillim, and he compliments it. He says, beautiful handwriting on this Tehillim. It's a scroll. And Rabbi Shimon says to him, I didn't write it. Yehuda Chayata wrote it. Meaning another Chacham wrote it. By name of Yehuda Chayata. Rebbe's response is shocking. He rebukes Rabbi Shimon and says to him, to stop saying Lashon Complimenting another person is Lashon Since when? Since when is complimenting another person Lashon So the Magen Avraham Orachayim in uh, East quotes the Sefer Hasidim. Sefer Hasidim is a old Sefer, maybe around 800 years ago. And uh, by uh, Rabbi Yudah Hasid, I believe. And he say, he elaborates. He says that the entire prohibition of speaking well of another person is relevant only if he's speaking in front of an enemy of that person. Because speaking in front of people that like him is permitted. In fact, it creates avat Israel, creates a, a love among each other. Oh, yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, he really is. I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a generous guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. If you're speaking with among his friends, that's good. But if you're speaking next to his enemies, then it's bad. Why? Because you're saying, I love that guy. He's really, really smart. But his enemy doesn't like to hear compliments about him. So what is he going to do? He said, nah, he's not that smart. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I caught him one time. He made a mistake. When? I don't know, but I caught him sometime. He made a mistake. And this happens. And this happens. In fact, there was a story that happened not too long, too long ago. One rabbi came to a keilah. And uh, did a chupa v'kidushin. Chupa v'kidushin. The students wanted him to do chupa v'kidushin. And before he did the chupa, he told him, listen, is, you're inviting me to the chupa, and I appreciate it, but why don't you have the rabbi of the keilah do the chupa v'kidushin? No, 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 we want you to do it. We want you to do it. So no, but why don't you ask, maybe the rabbi of the keilah will get offended. Because it's his keilah after all. It's, you know, he built a bit Knesset and everything. I don't know if he wants some strange rabbi to come and do a chupak, Yidushin. It's his place. You know, you guys attend it. Maybe you should ask him to do it. No, 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 no. He's okay with it. Don't worry. We want you to do it. We want you to do it. We want you to do it. Okay, so. Want you to do it. Want you to do it. So, he comes and does it. And, uh... The rabbi that was of the rabbi of the keilah was supposed to be one of the people that was supposed to do the one of the uh, given the honor of doing the sheva brachot. And all of a sudden, they're under the chuppah, and he asks the bride and groom, Where, "Where's the rabbi?" Oh no, he didn't feel well. Today he didn't feel well. Yeah, he didn't feel. Do you see him today? Yeah, we prayed together. That was just a couple hours ago. Yeah, he didn't feel well in the last two hours. Okay. What ends up happening? What ends up happening? The next day, news breaks out. What's the news? Ah, oh, that rabbi that came to the Chupan Kiddushin, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Look, he didn't do things in the order of the, uh, of the uh, Sidul. He's supposed to do the blessing on a Talit 
first, not second, not this. I don't even know if this chupa is kosher. Maybe there's going to be mamzerim out of it. Maybe this, maybe that. He starts losing his mind, telling people somebody recorded. He shows the record. Look, this is a mistake. That's a mistake. Micro dissects the whole thing. Makes everybody pretty much think that right now, there could be like two people that think that they're uh, uh, a husband and wife, but in reality, they're like strangers. Of course, this was all a lie. It's complete nonsense. But it went out. Why? Why did the rabbi do this? He wasn't even there. Why does he care so much? Because the next day, people were complimenting how much of a good time they had at this wedding and they enjoyed the ceremony and they enjoyed the rabbi's speech and they enjoyed all these different things that the rabbi of the kila was just eating his heart what they're complimenting him not me in my own building how dare they i gotta do something I gotta do something I gotta do something okay he does something he just lost olamaba lost olamaba olamaba for that rabbi garbage pail bye good luck getting it back a thousand years from now why the amount of lashonara that came out of this filthy person literally could destroy sodom and gomorrah twice over created all types of rumors said all types of things created stuff out of thin air lashonara rechilut every sin under the sun i'm surprised he didn't kill the other rabbi physically why jealousy jealousy and waiting this one story endless stories like this i could tell you endless even though that rabbi is a it is a mistake that was made by the community why did you compliment another rabbi in front of him why do you think he was a, a wall He's not going to hurt. Of course he's going to hurt. You talk about somebody else being really successful next to you. You're not going to like it. Why? It is what it is. It's human nature. If you're a uh, driver for a living and somebody else compliments another driver, you're not going to like it. I'm a good driver too. Yeah, yeah, you're a good driver. We're not talking about you right now. We're talking about this guy. Oh, how come you're not talking about me? It's like little kids. It's like little kids. Oh, good job, honey. Good job, Sarah. A little boy, what about me? I didn't do nothing. What about me? How come I don't get nothing, Abba? No, but you didn't do anything. Oh, I didn't do nothing. Oh, so you don't like me anymore? No, no, I love you. I love you. Come, no, you did everything. I was a four-year-old kid. You have to say something. But we're not dealing with four-year-old kids. Adults want compliments. Needless to say, they can't handle when somebody else gets a compliment. And you go out and you start complimenting somebody else next to a competition if you will even though it's really not competition human nature human nature you have to understand even though you were doing something good you were complimenting something good that happened you're complimenting a good rabbi you're complimenting good things that happened you did it next to his enemy therefore it became lashonara you did something that's permissible in front of good people but it's not permissible in front of bad people not that they're always bad they're bad when they are 
not being complimented. In essence, they're bad when they're next to their enemy. That's it turned a permissible speech into a forbidden speech. That's how careful a person needs to be with their speech about other people. That's why I said, if you review the books of Lashon Ara of the, of the, of the Chafetz Chaim, you're simply not going to talk about people. Not compliments, not uh, nothing. Nothing. You simply, it's just not worth it to talk about people. Unless you're warning people. And that's the section that we have to understand. You see, the Gemara explains to us everything. It says, first and foremost, in regards to the compliments, there are two types of things that are forbidden when it comes to compliments. One, it's forbidden to exaggerate. It's forbidden to exaggerate. You got a good speech. You like the speech of the rabbi. Don't start going around to people and say, oh, my rabbi, he knows the entire Torah. You know how big the Torah is? You know how big the Torah is to say he knows the entire Torah? Relax. Good speech. Chazaku Baruch. I got Chizuk out of it. I love him. He's great. He helped me. End. That's it. Finished. Don't go crazy. Oh, he's smartest guy in the world. He's the Mashiach now. Ooh, enough. Enough, Rabotai Karim. Enough. No need. No need for that. No rabbi needs that. Forget about no rabbi deserves it. No rabbi needs it. Even the one that knows the entire Torah doesn't need you to tell people you know, he knows the entire Torah. I like the speech. Chazaku Baruch. Amazing. The end. Don't start going around telling people this rabbi, he is uh, just this, and he's uh, embellishing too, too much. Not good. Same thing with other things. Same thing with other things. This company is the best company in the world. We sell the best product in the world. We beat all of our competition. Have you checked that you really beat all of your competition? Or are you just a liar? Well, I don't know. Everybody says they're the best. Oh, so you're a liar then. You really don't know if you're the best. If you say you're one of the best, if you say that you offer a really good product, that's one thing. But to go and pretty much just say this is the best, there's nothing better than... You have to be careful. You have to be careful. Exaggerations, Rabotai, are very expensive. They're also expensive if you do it in an illegal way, you know, according to the law of the land, in any, any place. But needless to say, in Shemaim, when you are excessively complimenting something... It could turn that permissible speech into forbidden speech. If you're saying something is good, very good. If it's legitimately good, you said it's good, very good. But if you say this is the best, nothing else like it, it's going to cure cancer. What do you mean? You're telling me that this this, this syrup is going to cure cancer? It's not just candy? No, no, I was just kidding. Oh, okay, well, you have to take it easy. You have to take it easy. Why? Exaggerating can turn into Lashonara. Furthermore, to say compliments, even if they're not exaggerations, about somebody next to his enemies is Lashonara. If you say the compliments about him or her next to their friends, next to their people that love that person, that see alike, then it's good. It's mitzvah even. If it's next to enemies, then it's Lashonara. Why? Because that enemy will say, hold on a second. Wait, you're saying he's, he's a good driver? What? I'm not a good driver? How about this? I'll tell you the truth. I know how good of a driver he is. He's not even that good. In fact, he just got into an accident. 
On top of that, what do you think? That dentist, what do you think that was his wife? No, no, it was him. And all of a sudden, he starts saying all types of things. Some are true, some are not true. Why? Because he's bothered that you're complimenting somebody else. He's bothered that you're complimenting somebody else. You say, oh, listen, I love that girl. Wow, she's so great. She's so tsnua. Tsnua? You think she's tsnua? She, only today she's tsnua. You didn't see her two years ago. I saw her two years ago. She used to go to nightclubs. On top of that, her husband doesn't even know what she did. And all of a sudden, ooh, the sewer comes out of her mouth. Why? Because you keep complimenting your friend and not to her. Don't compliment people next to their enemies. So what happened with Rabbi Kadosh and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? Rashi says, why did Rabbi rebuke Rabbi Shimon for complimenting a sofer? That he has nice handwriting because they were next to people they were in a bet midrash other people were listening to the conversation it's a public compliment surely if it's public somebody here is his enemy therefore don't make public compliments don't make public compliments why because surely somebody here is his enemy if you know everybody here is his friend Compliments a mitzvah. But if there's enemies among us, those enemies are going to turn that compliment into Lashonara. Why? Because now you said he's good. He's a good scribe. They're going to say, they don't even know what they're talking about. How about that? They don't even know what a good scribe is if I hit him in the face. I don't even think he knows how to read. In fact, that guy doesn't know how to write. I don't even think he does it. I think he hires people in China. And they do it. Olam Abba, Olam Abba, Olam Abba, Olam Abba. Everybody's Olam Abba goes in the garbage pail. Shemishmo. Person needs to know, permissible speech has conditions. Needless to say, forbidden speech. Now let's look, let's look, Abutai, at just a few things. Just a few things. We'll delve into a few things. Just to... You know, to have a good time. In the Chafetz Chaim. Have a good time in the Chafetz Chaim. What's better than Chafetz Chaim? Somebody wants life. That's Chafetz Chaim. Says, famous halacha. That's important to know. Why is it important to know? Because if Lashon applied to every human being, I can assure you that practically no one would have ulama unless they're extraordinarily righteous people that simply don't speak. If Lashonara applied to everyone, almost no one would survive. Why? Because at some point or another, people say Lashonara and not everybody remembers the Lashonara that they said, hence the reason why they wouldn't do tshuva for it. And the Rambam says, if you've said it many times, you have no share of the world to come. So we're talking about a big deal. So the Chafetz Chaim clarifies for us. Clarifies for us a very, very big chesed from Hashem. Very big chesed from Hashem. Very big kindness from Hashem. About who does Lashonara apply to? In the um, section 8-4. Eight, 8-4. Four, eight, four. Eight, four. It's a uh, klal, klal 8, alacha number 4. It says, the Chafetz Chaim, understand clearly 
that the Isur of Lashon Ara, meaning the prohibition of Lashon Ara, applies just as well to simple unlearned person because he's also part of God's people, whom he freed from Egyptian slavery. And all the more so is the sin much greater if someone speaks Lashon Ara against the Talmud Chacham. Chazal taught us in the Gemara Masechet Brachot, page 19a, that whoever criticizes the Talmud Chacham, either behind his back or after his death, will be punished in Geinom. Very often, the speaker will be guilty of humiliating a Torah scholar, and the great severity of the punishment of this person is very well known. As Chazal teaches us in the Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin, page 99b, and just like the laws in Yoreh De'ah, uh, section 243, uh, Siman 6, also included a Torah warning that's quoted in the uh, Bamidbar chapter 15, verse 31, because he belittled God's word, where it's baza, uh, so he will have his very soul cut off. So a person that uh, goes against, says things against Talmidei Chachamim, is considered as if he belittled Hashem's word, and he is cut off. And according to al is considered an apikos, heretic. So here, is first thing we understand is that this Lashonara applies to learned people as well as simple people. But not everyone. Why not everyone? However, this actually will go into a uh, the next halakha. The entire Yisur, this is 8.5, the entire Yisur of Lashonara applies specifically to a victim who the Torah considers to be your brother, Amitecha, your fellow Jew, meaning someone who observes Torah and mitzvot. Whether they're learned or not only changes the ramifications, meaning it's forbidden to say it about someone that's a Talmud Chacham, it's forbidden to say it about somebody that's not a Talmud Chacham. But as long as they're both keeping Torah and Mitzvot. The difference between the two is that if it's a regular person, it's not a Talmud Chacham, there's a very serious punishment on there. But it's not the worst punishment. The worst punishment is if you say Lashon about a Talmud Chacham. Say Lashon about a Talmud Chacham, pretty much you are guaranteed Genom that may never end. That's how bad it is. And you're in essence classified as a Apikos, until you do tshuva. But the Chafetz Chaim says, this is because why? They're considered your brothers. They're considered your fellow Jew. That's observing Torah and Mitzvot. But those people who are known as apostates, meaning people that are kufrim, people that don't observe Torah and Mitzvot, they're considered apikosim. They make fun of the Torah, they make fun of the rabbis, they don't observe Shabbat, and so on and so forth. It's a mitzvah. Mitzvah to degrade and humiliate them. Either directly to them in their presence, or not in the presence, for whatever sins they were seen committing, or sins that we've heard they commit. The Torah instructs us, in uh, Vaikra chapter 25, verse 17, don't oppress your fellow Jew. And also in Vaikra 19.16, don't peddle gossip in society. 
And these people are not included in this warning because they have repudiated Hashem and don't behave as Jews should. So here we see that there is a difference. If a person is considered a heretic, there's no deen of Lashon against them. In fact, it's a mitzvah to speak against them. It's a mitzvah to speak against Manis or Meza or Dro or Yonatan Levi or uh, Mirvis, all of these other reshaim that distort the Torah and, and actually commit the sin, public sin of Megalim Panim Torah. They distort the Torah, they change the Torah, they mock the Torah, they promote all types of things that are considered an abomination in the eyes of Hashem, whether it be homosexuality or otherwise. So these people are considered heretics, and it's a mitzvah, just like it's a mitzvah to say a blessing before you eat something, it's a mitzvah to keep Shabbat. It's a mitzvah to uh, sign a, uh, a ketubah. It's a mitzvah to give somebody uh, a loan without charging him interest. It's a mitzvah to fast on Yom Kippur. And it's a mitzvah to eat matzah on Pesach. It's a mitzvah to make fun of those people. In front of them or behind their back. As David Melech says, those that hate you, I will hate. And those that rise up against you, I will fight. And now he gives us the definition of a apikos, an apostate. The definition of an apostate is someone who repudiates the Torah and denies the prophecy was given to Israel's prophets. Whether he denies the Rin Torah or the, the Torah that was handed down through generation by oral tradition. Shas, the Talmud, such as a person that says, we don't have to believe all the Talmud. We don't have to believe what the sages said. They're just Amoraim. We could just interpret things the way we want. People that do things like this are considered apostates. This person is an apostate even if he says, the entire Torah is God-given except for one sentence. Or, except for a single logical deduction made by our sages, or a single chidush learned from the juxtaposition of two sentences in the Torah, or one single grammatical issue in the written or the oral Torah. And denying even the seemingly inconsequential details, says the Chafetz Chaim, this person has repudiated the Torah, denied the authority of Chazal, our sages, and rejected Hashem. He is an apostate. He is a kofel, a person that denies a single letter in not just the written Torah, but in the oral Torah, denies their chidushim denies their words in any way, shape, or form. As the Chafetz Chaim, the Baal Lashon the one that's the master of Lashon as far as teaching it, says, this person, you can not only say Lashon about him or her, but it's a mitzvah to do it. Mitzvah to do it. Like eating kosher food. Every time you insult these people, it's like you just beat a bracha on eating. Berkat Amazon. That's what it is, Rabotai. Now again, a person should not get used to all day saying bad things about people. 
but if the time makes it a necessity it's a mitzvah to do it further he said it's a mitzvah to degrade and humiliate them example is you've heard about sins that they committed not only are you allowed to believe it but you don't even have to have proof in order to restate it to other people if you heard somebody else sinning if that person is a Talmi Chacham you have to give them Kafshut by default that for sure it's not what it sounds if the person is not a Talmi Chacham but they're known for not sinning they're known as a kosher person you have to give them Kafshut not go and publicize and go against them and so on but if the person is an apicolis an apostate even if you don't have proof of something bad that they did mitzvah to publicize it yeah but it may be a lie let it be a lie mitzvah to publicize it why they are doing much worse to Hashem and his Torah and his people therefore everything that was given to you it's Hashem is doing it Hashem is doing it you're just simply being a vessel I'm not telling you to go and uh, start creating lies about people what I'm telling you is look at the severe judgment of a person that denies not just the written Torah because that's obvious but a single novel idea of the sages a single line in a Gemara they call it ridiculous that single statement even if they believe as the Chavetz Chaim said even if they believe the rest of the Torah but they said this particular statement in the Gemara is ridiculous I'm not accepting it that person is an apikos that's how heavy the judgment is If we go further to a different section of the Chafet Zayim, in Klal Chet, Alecha number 12, another thing that I highlighted here, is a person that speaks against good people. Where it says, that the Isu of Lashon Ara applies even if a person speaks badly of a victim to a Jew or, an, or a non-Jew. Not if he speaks about a non-Jew, but if he speaks about a Jew to a Jew or to a non-Jew. Because people think, oh, it's only Lashon Ara if I tell other Jews about it. But it's not Lashon Ara if I tell other non-Jews about it because they don't even know what Lashon Ara is says the Chafetz Chaim not only you're wrong you're wrong to the power of 10. why it's forbidden to speak badly of the victim to a Jew and even more so it's forbidden if one does so to a non-Jew that in doing so his sin is very substantially greater 
besides bringing shame to the honor of Israel and desecrating God's holy name, the speaker causes great harm to his fellow Jew, the victim. This is because had he denigrated his fellow Jew to another Jew, the listener would not necessarily have believed him and would not have concluded an immediate opinion. But if he degrades his fellow Jew to a non-Jew, saying that the Jew is deceitful or dishonest in his dealings with people, the Gentile will immediately believe the remarks and will publicize those comments to everyone, causing the victim harm and anguish. And we find a similar concept in the Tosfot in the Gemara Batra, page 39b, where they explain the difference between Lashonara and the declaration of land ownership. Now, even more so, if he goes and informs on a Jew to a Gentile authority, he calls the IRS, the tax office, he calls the government, hey, listen, this guy is a uh, building an extension to the house without a permit. It's blocking my view. He didn't go to him. He didn't go to a Bedin. He went directly to the government. Oh, this guy, I don't know how he afford this house. Maybe uh, you guys could look into his bank statements. Perhaps there's some money laundering. Perhaps he's not paying his taxes. Perhaps he's ripping off his customers. He starts calling the authorities over his fellow Jew. He informs on a, he informs on a Jew to a Gentile authorities. Unquestionably, says the Chafetz uh, Chaim, unquestionably his sin is unbearably great by informing he becomes branded as an informer whose punishment is equal to people who deny god or repudiate the torah altogether and do not believe god will bring back the dead and their punishment will continue long after genom ceases to exist as the gemara and masechet rosh hashanah teaches says the Chafetz Chaim already in a couple of places that not only is Genom very much a real place but it can be an eternal place for certain people that do not watch their mouth think that their speech really is free and they can say whatever they want another section in the uh, cloud tit Alakha number one says this does not contradict what, what uh, we wrote in uh, Klaalit. This is a uh, another section. Oh, this is actually already explained. This is the cloud that we talked about before about how there is the uh, the praising of a Jew. In front of others, you have to be careful that, number one, it's not overly embellishing it. That's what the whole uh, section nine is. It's overly embellishing your uh, compliments on somebody and exaggerating that's forbidden. Or complimenting your fellow Jew in front of his enemies. That's also forbidden. Now... Here, the Mikol Chaim says there's a seven rules in regards to the uh, Lashonara 
Oh no, this is too long of a section. Zeta. Okay. So here we see, here we see, Rabotai, that the uh, speech definitely not free. Definitely, definitely not free. Another section here in the uh, Chafetz Chaim says in a Klal uh, Dalit in uh, four Alachan number five. It says if there's a witness that sees that there's a sin being committed by a person who is among the foolish people, who are scoffers of the Torah, cynics, people who hate rebuke, as Shlomo Melech teaches us in Mishled, don't try to rebuke the scoffer because. He might come to hate you, and most assuredly, he would not accept the rebuke. These people are in their foolishness, repeating their sins, and they would again sin. So therefore, it would be appropriate to disclose this person's actions to the authorities of the city, who would then chastise him because of his sin, and prevent him from committing this sin in the future. It's also my opinion, says the Chafetz Chaim, that the same law applies it will be appropriate in a uh, uh, to a uh, relatives of the sinner. So here he's distinguishing certain people that you can go to the authorities of the seas of, and it actually would be a mitzvah because these people are not people that you could rebuke them in order to do tshuva. These people are just going to get worse and worse. So that's a again more details if you want to go uh, look at it. It's like I said, it's in a klal for alachan number five. Ah, this is an interesting one. So, in Klan 4, Alakha number 10, what if you see somebody that has bad character traits? They're doing bad things, ugly things. You see a person that has ugly actions. What do you do with that? Can you talk about it to people? Not talk about it to people? Is it Lashonara? Not Lashonara? Nevertheless, says the Chafetz Chaim, if a person sees someone expressing a bad character trait, for example, arrogance, anger, uh, or some other bad personality trait, and that he's, uh, this person doesn't learn Torah, or uh, has some other type of uh, comparable character trait, it's correct for this observer to tell his own son or his students and warn them not to associate with this person. They will not learn to emulate this person's lifestyle. Since the essential reason of why Lashonara is forbidden by the Torah, even if the remarks are true, is because the speaker's intent is to humiliate his fellow Jew and to rejoice in his disgrace. But if the speaker's intention is to protect his friend or his son so that he will learn to copy this person's lifestyle, this is obviously permissible and even a mitzvah to disclose this person's actions. So here is a very, very important klal. Baruch Hashem, we, we, we noted it. That it's not Lashon to talk about anybody. It's Lashon to talk about specific people. 
If they are Talmidei Chachamim, for sure don't talk about them. If they're kosher people, for sure don't talk about them. If they are non-kosher people, you can talk about them if you want. If it's necessary, if there's a benefit to it in some way. If they are completely secular, better not to talk about, but if you do, it's not a sin. If they're bad people, they're arrogant, they're, they're, they do bad things to people, mitzvah to talk about them. If they're heretics, mitzvah to talk about them and insult them. So there are levels here, levels here. Why? Because the whole point of Lashon being forbidden, says the Chafetz Chaim, it's only if you're looking to cause another person disgrace for your benefit. You're going to rejoice at their disgrace. But if you're looking to cause this person disgrace in order to protect people, then it's a mitzvah. Then it's a mitzvah. Because this person is a bad person and you want to cause them disgrace in order to protect people, not to go to him, not to go to her. That's a mitzvah. Last part of this Chafetz Chaim, he says... However, in this kind of circumstance, it's a mitzvah for the speaker to explain the reason why the disclosure is being made, meaning why this person is being denigrated, in order that the listener should understand the reason for the comment and not think that this type of speech is ordinarily permissible. Moreover, the listener should not think the speaker is contradicting himself since he has said prior that Lashon is forbidden, even if it's true. So here the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Chafetz Chaim elaborates. He says, when you're saying don't go to this person or this person is a Rasha, this person is an Apikos, you can't end it with that type of comment. You have to elaborate. Why is he an Apikos? Why is he a Rasha? Why can't I go to him? You have to elaborate. That means you have to air out his dirty laundry in public. Why? Because if you don't, number one, People are going to think that you yourself are a uh, hypocrite. You're saying it's forbidden, but you're doing it. Two, they think that in essence you're saying Lashonara and this guy's a victim. When in fact, he's really not a victim, he's a perpetrator. So you, you could cause people to go to him as a result of them feeling bad to him. Because you didn't tell them the real reason, you know, the reasons of why you're denigrating this person, why you're insulting this person. And Chafetz Chaim finishes it off with saying, but it's a great mitzvah for parents to teach their young children to distance themselves from this sin, and yet now he himself is speaking Lashon Similarly, this law is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, Yoreb De'ah, section 242, Lachan uh, 22, that if a Posek decides the law in a particular way that conforms to a minority opinion, for example, in ruling leniently in a matter of urgent need on Erev Shabbat or something comparable, he must explain why he determined the law that way that's contrary to the majority opinion. So this particular law applies to everything, even to the way somebody writes their books and paskins and so on. Needless to say, it relates to how we act on a day-to-day basis. We can't say that everything is Lashon and is forbidden because there are, there is a form of permissible lashonara and even a lashonara that is a mitzvah and there is a permissible lashonara that is a sin meaning it's permissible but not in front of those people 
because there is enemies it's permissible but you exaggerated and then turned it into a lashonara so it's really really important to know these few things at the very least but i highly highly recommend people study the you know the the, the chafetz chaim and learn the laws of lashonara because surely if we don't learn them as the sages teach us we are falling uh for them so it's not just on the, the issue of lashonara but but everything so it's uh it's this this is in essence the uh the price a person has to uh understand that they are paying if they are not careful with their speech if they simply think that their uh their mouth is a free-for-all and everybody can do it and you can say whatever you want it's not it doesn't really work that way uh i, I can tell you this if you say holy torah words chidushim, good things in the torah then you're printing mitzvot endless amount of mitzvot if you are saying lashonara you are printing sins that are destroying worlds including your own world including your own worlds and there's really nobody crazier than that person it's like somebody sees a machine he presses a green button and hundred dollar bills come out then he presses the white button and toilet paper comes out everybody understands that only an idiot will continue pressing the white button once you've discovered only bad things or useless things come out from the white button you don't press it anymore you keep pressing the green one same concept with lashonara once you've learned what we just talked about even if you haven't read all the entire books of lashonara of even if you just learned this year and you've never heard of lashonara before this or after this again you have enough knowledge to know it's not worth it to talk about other people unless you know exactly what the price is going to be that you're going to pay for it whether it's going to be a mitzvah or it's going to be an avira don't speak assuming anything know before you speak know whether you're going to say something that's going to be a mitzvah before you say it and know whether it's going to be a sin before you say it why because once you know the price it may alter your decision if it's a sin you may not want to say it and if it's a mitzvah you may want to do even more each and every one of us who continue serving more and more learn his Torah toil in it enjoy it publicize it in every corner of the world but always remember the Torah cannot coexist with all of these lies that are out there and therefore we have to continue destroying the lies the filth that surrounds us because we have to make sure to make room for HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shechina one day when he brings the Mashiach Tzitkenu and there's no lies in the way. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen. אני מברך את הרבנים, הרב ירון ראובן, הרב אפרים כחלון, ראשי ארגון בעזרת השם, שערכו בפעיון, שעלו מעלה מעלה, יהיה להם ברכה והצלחה, הקדוש ברוך הוא ימלא בלשונות ליבם, 
לטובה ולברכה. שבכל אשר יפנו, ישכילו ויצליחו. יזכו לעשות כאלה וכאלה, ודיעו תורה לאדירה, אמן ואמן. הוא היהודי הזה, הוא היה מיליונר, סגר את כל הביזנס, אמר אני משקיע פה בעולמה של טוב. איפה הוא גר? בפלורידה. פלורידה, איפה זה פלורידה? אמריקה. מיאמי,